bringing hope into the chaos. We'll do more of that next with author Dennis Allen as we talk about the discipleship dilemma and how we can at least identify those things that are maybe preventing us from engaging more effectively as disciples. Peter Kapsner filling in for Carmen LaBerge this morning, and we are joined by author Dennis Allen, who has written the book, The Disciple Dilemma. Once again, it's The Disciple Dilemma. It is a book available on ebook as we speak. It's coming back and uh, coming out in paperback on July 19th, and a really incredibly important topic in terms of the reformation of the church moving forward. Good morning, Dennis. Good morning, Peter. It's been great to chat off the air already with you just a bit. I think you're on the front end of what are some really important trends here. And just to sort of set the scene for your book, you you talk about the idea that leaders must reform our contemporary Christian culture from this, and and just catch this, from mass-gathered member-based systems and back into relational one-on-few intentional relationships. And I think another way we could say this, Dennis, is that whether we know it or not, church leadership and seminaries have been training church leadership for the better part of about 30 years, uh, especially since the establishment of Willow Creek in Chicago, to become pastors of churches in which the focus is to drive as many people as possible through the doors on a Sunday morning and uh, and and have seeker-based services that introduce people to the faith. And there's, there's probably a lot of merit in that, but this is what's called an attractional model, meaning that the church uh, develops marketing plans and strategies, does demographic analysis, tries to figure out what people want. They create coffee shops and worship songs and short YouTube-driven sermons, all of these things to try to attract as many people on the Sunday morning. And again, maybe that had merits, but I think we're seeing now 30 years in that we've also experienced a pretty profound failure of the rigors of ongoing discipleship. And I think your book takes us into that. Well, thanks for the chance to chat about it. We provocatively talk to people to say hiding in plain sight around us in Christian community is a hack in the operating system of the discipleship Christ gave us. Mm. Yeah, so take us into that a bit, because to be a Christian does mean to be a Christ follower, which means that uh, you are a disciple. And so you reference a few church traditions, quote unquote, that have derailed how we do discipleship. What did you notice there? Yeah, so those traditions that we are describing, six in the front end of the book, are trying to help people realize there really is a problem lurking around us. So as an example of one, when you think about the pre-Constantinian era, go back to the third century, after Christ is gone now, we've got uh, a lot of persecution. The concept of optional lordship began to emerge on the horizon. And what we mean by that term is, it was okay to be saved by Jesus, but when things get hot, when the cost gets high, check out, keep your head low, stay in the foxhole, and when things cool off, you can come back in, keep being a good believer, which means today, as we've morphed this forward over all these centuries, I'm great being saved. Sam Alberry would say, I love being a fan of Jesus, but this upgrade to unconditional surrender and transformation, no thanks, I'm good. Yes, you bring up an important point. Uh, A.W. Tozer, uh, during this rise of sort of this attractional model or this idea that we can do a 30-second transaction and get ourselves positioned properly for heaven, like that whole model, he says this, uh, quote, A.W. Tozer again, feeling that a notable heresy, this is strong language, notable heresy has come into being throughout evangelical Christian circles. The widely accepted concept that we humans can choose to accept Christ only because we need him as a savior, 
but that we would postpone our obedience to him as Lord as long as we want to. Salvation apart from discipleship, he says, is unknown in the sacred scriptures. And so there, we have a theological issue, I think, here, Dennis, don't we, in terms of how we split this idea of getting saved or some future question from becoming a follower of Jesus. When I read the yeah, biblical we, text, all we see is Jesus saying, come follow me. There wasn't this idea of go get saved first and then follow. It was just come and follow. Yeah, I think there's been a t- tremendous dilution and loss of that original version 1.0 discipleship Christ gave us, which is phrases that are so familiar to us, they put us to sleep. What does it mean to take up the cross? What does it mean to surrender? What does it mean to die to self? We, we think of those things today like we're negotiating a real estate deal. I'll come halfway, Jesus comes halfway, I get saved, he's nice to me, life is good, I'm happy. And that dilution, while it's been going on for centuries, is becoming very acute in the research statistics and in the reality of the lives of the people around us as Christ. Yeah, one of the uh, disciplines in which I've tried to engage these last couple of decades is just to enter into that song um, that really is a discipleship song, which is, I have decided to follow Jesus, no turning back. This, this is what you're talking about in terms of, of making the, a decision for Christ is not necessarily a decision to get saved the way we think it. It's a decision that I'm going to stop following the realities and the idols of this world, and I'm going to follow a singular master and listen to the voice of my shepherd uh, some of these traditions, again, that you reference, derail some of that kind of language and invitation. It is a complete, invisible, stealthy problem in the societies inside the walls of our churches. And we have all lived and marinated in this for so long, Peter, that what we think of as normal, right, and good is actually non-biblical. And we've got to reform this not only at the individual level, which we see lots of books, lots of programs talking about, But we've got to reform this at the institutional level in the DNA of the society and the culture of our churches. What do you see as some practical ways in which the institutions can begin to do this, uh, Dennis? Because I agree with you. These are... They're pretty, it's pretty big statements to say that some of this is unbiblical, but I think a fair-minded look at the text can demonstrate that it's really only in the last maybe 40 to 60 years that we have commercialized some version of the gospel, again, towards just the singular decision, and then you get saved and that's that. Um, there's, there's a different invitation. What are some steps some churches can take to begin to reform the way we understand following Jesus? I'm going to ask you just to take this car for a test drive. You don't have to buy it, but here's really the issue. We have got to rethink what is actually and truly the mission of all churches and Mm. all believers. And arguably what I'm saying, please, if you've got any concerns or get really angry about this, blame it on Peter for letting me on this podcast. The the bus uh, tire just went right over my back, Dennis. Thank you. I'm I'm feeling better already. The, the, The core of this is that all churches and all believers of Christ are called to the mission of the progression, not the making. We look at the word making, but progression of disciples, which is both me becoming that transformed, surrendered, dying to self person, but also being the wingman alongside people going forward And we have to focus that mission as leaders first, teaching and coaching that culture, like a good coach, like a good offensive or defensive coordinator on the sidelines of those teams. You don't want those pro coaches on the field. You want them on the sidelines calling the plays. You coaches, leaders, have to reform that society and culture. That's step one. It is uh, step one. We're talking with Dennis Allen, the author of The Disciple Dilemma. It is available now on ebook. It will be available in paperback in about a month or so, a little over a month. I do highly recommend 
this book. And Dennis, when you talk about what our mission of the church is, that takes me to our Great Commission from Matthew 28. Uh, and, and if we're really careful and let the Bible be the Bible instead of our theology, our preconceived theology be the Bible, and we just read it on, on its own face value, what we see there is it says, go therefore, well, first of all, it says all authority has been given to me under heaven and on earth. And what Jesus is saying by all authority is he's saying, I am the singular teacher of a way of life and hope. I am the person who has conquered sin and death. I'm the only voice worth listening to. And because that's true, then as you are my disciples, go, and it doesn't say go and have people make a quick decision. It says go and make disciples, inviting them to follow me, baptizing or surrounding or immersing them in the name of the Father, Son, and Spirit, teaching them to obey all that I've commanded with, uh, commanded you. And just know this, I am with you always, even into the end of the age as you do this work. And in all of that, Dennis, we see the beautiful invitation of mission. We do see the beautiful invitation of mission, and we don't typically think that way. We think a mission is a mission statement on a shelf. It's the transformation of life and the transformation of culture. It is. What are you seeing? Uh, I, I know that when we talk this way with young people in my classes, that they start really waking up and, and want to begin to follow Jesus in a, in a different kind of way. Um, in the midst of, I know your book addresses the, how millennials are walking away from the church, um, what would you say discipleship has had to do with that? But what are you also seeing on the flip side of some really positive developments? Well, the, of course, the negative side has been we're just no different than any other cause wherever it happens to be and wherever it happens to go. So why is this any better? And it's not because society's turning against the message, right? That's that's the frustration so many people sub 45 are feeling in the world they're in. On the front end of this, though, if we are willing to truly follow Christ, we will be salt, light, difference, and people are going to go, I want in on that. Again, talking with Dennis Allen, his uh, book is The Disciple Dilemma. We're going to step away for just a moment. And when we come back, Dennis, um, let's get into some of the hope-filled parts of this, too, as we reconstruct uh, a theology of discipleship and what can begin to happen in a person's life in authentic ways. So more to come here on Mornings Without Carmen. Welcome back to Mornings with Carmen. We're talking with Dennis Allen, the author of The Disciple Dilemma. And just as a suggestion, uh, Dennis has put up a lot of material at thedisciplelemma.com. And maybe this weekend, if you're looking uh, for a way to get fed, to grow in your faith a bit, um, go to thedisciplelemma.com because, Dennis, you have a, quite a few resources up there. Why don't you take a second to highlight a few of them for us? Well, if you take uh, just a stroll through there, we've got videos, audios, blogs, comment opportunities for people to, to wrestle a little bit with this same idea, saddle up, understand it. It's out on YouTube as well, on the YouTube channel, same thing, Disciple Dilemma, and Facebook, same thing, Disciple Dilemma. So jump in, help us with the conversation. Yeah, so can you point to a couple of different articles or resources there that uh, you'd want to highlight as part of this conversation on discipleship? Well, we just pitched a blog the other day about uh, does discipleship have anything to do with the multiverse? And that's a fun one for people to scrimmage a little bit. When we think about the idea of disciples Monday through Fridays, that's one universe we live in. Be quiet. Keep your head low. Don't talk. Versus the disciple universe on Sundays when we're inside the church walls. Jump in and take a look at that. What does it mean to be a manager instead of a leader 
as a Christian leader in the church, and how destructive is that in discipleship? Those are a couple of thoughts. Yeah, that's really helpful. Again, uh, Dennis Allen, uh, author of Disciple Dilemma. Dennis, if you're a parent or a grandparent uh, here thinking about what you can invite your own kids or grandkids into, what suggestions do you have um, to help introduce them to the idea of discipleship and what that kind of life looks like? This is something that's so crucial for families because the, what, we're, what we're seeing in discipleship today is going to ripple through. The good side, the side that Jesus gave us, the version that Jesus gave us, is one where it is unity, changing the world, making a complete difference, and you being someone with a destiny and a calling and a purpose that transcends anything in the world. This is beyond a green agenda or a political agenda or an intellectual agenda. This is, as Darth Vader would say, your destiny. What a cool thing for kids. <laughs> that is a cool thing for kids. Um, you have a phrase in here called uh, mass production discipleship, and you're suggesting that it doesn't work and never will. So introduce us to the concept of mass production discipleship and maybe what's problematic. And But also we would love a, a, just some thoughts on what might be more helpful. The Harvard Business School model wants you to come to, and by the way, I'm a turnaround CEO. That's my vocation. I go around and work with troubled businesses, corporations, large ones in their problems. And when it comes to the Harvard Business School case and discipleship, the world is get as efficient as you can, get as lean as you can, get as much turn and production as you can. So what we like to do is slosh lots of people together in large rooms, programs, and seminars and say, okay, if we've sloshed everybody together, one of the terms we stole is herd community from the pandemic. Instead of herd immunity, it's herd community. If you slosh enough people around together, you have disciples, which is false, not true. The reality of this is we can't keep on mass producing fragile, brittle disciples by just throwing them into an hour a week, 1.7 times a month, and hope that those are really powerful disciples. We need to get back to Christ's model. Now, the better way forward. The change in society leaders need to think about is how we get radical, individual, Western American people who don't like relationship, who like the digital walls, who like being in groups and crowds into relational models. But in that is the hope of Christ because it's one-on-ones, one-on-twos, one-on-fews, not one-on-tens and hundreds and thousands. Yeah, say a bit more about that, too, because that is a pretty significant shift in somebody's way of life. I think if I wanted to become a professional tennis player, for example, it probably wouldn't work out for me to be at Wimbledon in five years if I spent most of my life trying to be a tennis player with only one hour a week on a Sunday morning and an occasional Wednesday night. But I I think that taking some of the mystery out of discipleship, discipleship functions in the same way. We need to be attending to it day in and day out. Imagine if you we're walking into a hospital, getting ready to have a rather serious procedure. And uh, the admitting folks said, I want you to know that Dr. Dennis has read the finest books, watched the greatest videos, and every week he attends for an hour a medical seminar. Now, he's actually never done any surgery because he's never had a doctor go alongside him, but we've got the knife in his hand and we're ready. Please sign here and let me have your visa card. Let's go to the operating room. That's not a very comfortable world, but in a sort of dramatic way, that's the same problem in discipleship. I bring you to the knowledge of Jesus. You choose to surrender to Christ. Christ has, in his regenerated power, brought you before the throne of God. By the way, here's a Bible. Hit the membership class. You're good to go. Hope life's good for you. Bye. Mm. That's not a good model of discipleship. 
Yeah. So how would you start to change that? Do you just have to just say, hey, look, I, I would like to start gathering in different ways with different people and in, in different kinds of uh, life together? Because it's tricky when we live so uh, apart from each other and, and we're so busy all the time. Most of the time in seminary and in business school, we teach you to talk to large crowds of people. This is tearing it down and saying, how is it that Professor Peter mentors one-on-ones and one-on-twos as an example so that the rest of the crowd gets the idea, oh yeah, we're supposed to be operating teams of ones and twos and then occasionally gathering in larger groups. We need to gather in church. We need to gather in small groups. We need to go on mission trips. We need to have all the ministry action we're doing. But the fundamental element of discipleship is a wingman flying with you one-on-one, one-on-two. And leaders have to rebuild our society inside the church to do just that, by example first, but also by the teaching and development of relational discipling. Uh, again, it's Dennis Allen. He's an author of Disciple Dilemma. I'm not going to suggest the book is not provocative to use a double negative because it is, but I know that Dennis, a lot of people are increasingly talking about the kinds of things you're talking about. One more topic to get into from your book, and that has to do with how businesses and churches are similarly failing. And I, and I think for quite a season now, we have operated under the assumption that the church is sort of a business. I run a business myself. I know you've been a CEO in our that and the church really isn't meant to be like a business and yet we've brought that assumption into the church the tyranny of the urgent uh, uh hummel's book is a is a great example of how leaders are dragged down into becoming managers and when we bring you down to a manager then suddenly we have you having to deal with metrics how many baptisms did you have how many memberships mm-hmm. did you get how how big is your capital budget what's the next big facility Those things are all important, and management is necessary for the people who work for us as leaders, but leaders have to deal with the mission, and the distraction for us is becoming managers and not leaders. Therefore, we have to change the leadership paradigms from simply being typical, metric-driven, programmatic churches into that relational mission of staying on the mission Christ gave us. Yeah, and that can be a tricky process of transition, I would think, Dennis, because a lot of churches have fairly large budgets and and, uh, maybe some financial investment in a building that needs to be paid off. And uh, so it does demand a bit of an attractional model to try to bring people through the doors to help support all of those budgetary needs. A a switch to more of a one-to-one discipleship, that may not be great for the bottom line of the church. It's always a scary challenge, but we spent seven chapters in the book saying we want to walk you through the biblical process, which, by the way, also is a strategic business process, but it's a biblical process to say, how does this transformation begin so that the successes that are necessary for the ongoing daily operation of the church don't impair discipleship, and discipleship is not, of course, hindering that. And, of course, you and I would know this, I think, Peter, from a conversational point, but If we are actually in the business of progressing and making disciples, the church will flourish. I love it. Uh, Dennis, thanks for taking the time this morning. One more time, if uh, you're listening to this conversation, go to thedisciplelemma.com. You could probably spend the weekend chewing through a lot of the materials that are there. It's really helpful as a way of understanding our kingdom life moving forward. Have a great weekend, Dennis. Thanks for having me, Peter. We'll take a short break and wrap up our show for this day and this week on the 17th of June.